This EB-5 Superheroes episode is sponsored by FMB EB-5 Hope. FMB EB-5 is bringing hope to downtown Los Angeles and EB-5 investors who believe in the American dream. Visit fmbeb5.com to learn more and speak with EB-5 superhero Matt Trush to join an EB-5 project today. Episode 18, EB-5 superhero Natalia Palukdin, top EB-5 attorney and founder of Global Practice. You're listening to the EB-5 Superheroes podcast. Join host Matt Trush as he interviews the EB-5 industry's courageous men and women, leaders protecting the path to the American dream for the good guys and foiling the sinister plots of the not-so-good guys. Billions of dollars and families' lives are at stake. Go behind the scenes as our EB-5 superheroes tell their stories of triumph against adversity, paving a brighter future for EB-5. And now, financial engineer, industry expert, an EB-5 superhero, Matt Trush. Welcome to the EB-5 Superheroes podcast. I'm Matt Trush, your host. For those of us living in the EB-5 world, we've grown thick skin and learned to buckle up tight for the roller coaster ride we lovingly call EB-5. EB-5 is an incredible federal program that has brought tens of billions of dollars to the U.S. economy, created hundreds of thousands of new jobs, and helped countless families legally immigrate to the U.S. But it's been a bumpy ride, to say the least. There have been cases of fraud, swinging pendulums of regulatory uncertainty, unnecessarily long processing times, program sunsets, and even twilight. But today we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. EB-5 can once again become the best and fastest and most stable letter combinations in the alphabet of U.S. immigration paths. EB-5 can regain its highly competitive position versus other countries' immigration investment programs. EB-5 is poised to navigate America out of another economic downturn. Now is the time, more than ever, for the good guys and good gals to make the dream a reality again for those who believe in EB-5 and the American dream. Meet the EB-5 superheroes who are on the front lines making positive change. The courageous leaders who are shaping the course of EB-5 for good and triumphing against adversity. Get the inside scoop, hear their stories, learn from real life successes and failures. Billions of dollars and families' lives are at stake. Join me in welcoming EB-5 superhero Natalia Palukdin, top EB-5 attorney and founder of Global Practice. EB-5 superhero, Natalia Palukdin, welcome to the EB-5 Superheroes podcast. Delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Natalia, let me brag about you just a bit. Natalia Palukdin is one of the industry's top 25 EB-5 attorneys. She's a member of the Ethics Committee of the AILA and a long-standing member of the Executive Council of the Immigration Law Section of her state bar. Natalia is founder of Global Practice with offices in Scottsdale and Miami, specializing in investment immigration and non-immigrant visa categories. As a native of Russia and herself an immigrant, Natalia is an expert in documenting source of funds originating from CIS countries and has even published several articles discussing cryptocurrency and EB-5. Natalia is a highly sought-after speaker. That's actually how we met. And she's become a celebrity among the online Russian-speaking community with a significant following on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and other digital platforms. It is truly my pleasure to welcome one of the best of the best, a true professional, colleague, and friend, EB-5 superhero, Natalia Palukdin. Wow, I couldn't do breaking better myself. Thank you, thank you for introduction. That's great. 
you actually exceed any of the praise which I could give you. So Natalia, you really are an EB5 superhero. You have a great personality and a sharp wit. Can you share a little bit about your colorful background immigrating to the States and how that all led you to EB5? Well, well, well. My story, I would say typical of immigrants, but at the same time, not typical. I ended up in rural Ohio in early 2000s teaching communication studies there because my first degree was in communication studies and criticism. So talk to my husband about how he handles it. I have PhD in criticism. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't help my family life a lot. But after I like ended up in rural Ohio teaching, I realized that actually I can do my immigration case myself. And I did that. Uh, I filed my petition and I got denied. After I got denied. Denied? How could it be? You filed your own petition and got denied. That's not pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. It's like a tough start, like as for many immigrants. So I started looking for immigration lawyer and I couldn't find one who would take my case because they said, oh, well, it's like a complex matter. You you have basically no chance of getting it approved. And I did my own appeal. And after I did the appeal, the case was approved. And I realized that maybe, maybe I should do something better with my life than teaching people about intercultural communication. I should go to law school. And this wow. is how I ended up in legal profession. <laughs> wow. So you first filed your own petition. It was denied. Yep. Nobody said you would get through. And you filed your own appeal and was ultimately approved. You said, wait a minute, I've got something here. I probably should go to law school. I realized that it's like a superpower. You can change people's life by writing briefs and like doing something useful, actually. Amazing, amazing. What better use of communications? The truth is, if you could do it for yourself, you could definitely do it for others. So how did it go? How did law school go? And did you go directly into EB-5 or where did you go from there? Well, I went to law school knowing immediately that I will work for myself. I kind of, I didn't even want to work for somebody else. And EB-5 evolved like naturally around me. So I started going to American Immigration Lawyers Association meetings and met people. And EB-5 back then, it was like a unicorn. Everybody was talking about it, but nobody actually knew what it is. Multiple regional centers, they started reaching out to me and saying, okay, looks like you are a Russian speaker. How do we go into the Russian market? What do we do to attract Russian people? And it wasn't even a popular thing back then because it was like 15 years ago. Uh, Everybody was working with Chinese market, as you probably know, and you're an expert on that region. Nobody was doing Russian EB-5s. This is how I ended up communicating with regional centers. And ultimately, once I got a license, I just like immediately filed my first EB-5 case. So this is really incredible. I mean, the truth is that EB-5 is a big communications hurdle. It's like huge cultural barriers, language barriers, understanding of the, the, the red tape of EB-5. If you're able to communicate all these intricacies cross-culturally, cross-borders, it really is a superpower, as you said, to help people achieve their American dreams. Yes. And I think I enjoy like a special connection with a certain demographics and certain regions. And I'm not even going to pretend that I know anything about Vietnamese market or Indian market. I'm not even touching those markets because there are much smarter people than I am like to do that stuff. <laughs> uh, but what I love, I love my kind of clients. People, I understand where they got their money from, how they transferred the money. Not to say bad things about like... U.S.-based attorneys, but many Americans, they cannot even wrap their minds around the way of doing business in Russia or former Soviet Union countries. They need to be educated about it. And if you do not feel like educating your lawyer about how you ended up with all these millions, 
well, go to the Russian-speaking attorney who understands that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think that you've described your your fancy clients, your bling clients, right? Everything's bling. Tell us about these Russian clients. How do they get their money? How is it that they're so attracted to what I call bling projects? I think it's a partially cultural thing and partially socioeconomic thing. First of all, lots of my clients, they have Soviet Union background. And in Soviet Union, you have a very metered, very limited consumption of luxury goods. So now when they have resources to consume all this stuff, they're not going to somehow limit themselves. And I guess it's grew on them that they naturally gravitate toward something with, um, let's say, uh, let's say seal of VIP kind of thing. So if they can pick between some rural project, building some, I don't know, farming things and fancy hotel, they will naturally pick the fancy hotel because they see themselves as the consumers of this type of good and they would go that direction, which is fine with me. I mean, like this market, EB5 market has everything for everyone. Amazing. Listen, as you know, I'm a fund manager for an EB5 project called FMB EB5 Hope. And I just want to know, if, does it have enough bling factor for these Russian investors? We're a TA project, downtown Los Angeles, boutique residences, not far from the convention center, LA Lakers Stadium, LA Live, financial district. Is that bling enough? From my limited experience, everything that can be linked to California, Los Angeles, and close proximity to Beverly Hills, that already passes the first hurdle. Like you, you can go and market it. Obviously, we need to look into numbers because numbers need to make sense to people. They are like Russian investors are usually very sophisticated investors. They have education, business experience, international experience. They can speak English, but they prefer not to. And they do not even like tell you that they understand what it's in that subscription agreement. They will say like, oh, yeah, it's just a bunch of paper. I haven't read it. But in fact, they read it and they know what is there. But going back to your project, if you can say it's very close to Beverly Hills and you can see the sign Hollywood from that. It's already a selling point. <laughs> Got it. Beautiful. Well, LA then, the whole city is going to sell. Fantastic. Let me ask you a question. I think it's really a misconception that's been going on that Russians are, are now excluded from the EB-5 program due to what's going on with Ukraine and the whole thing. Is that the case? What makes people think or where do they get that misconception that the Russians are somehow being excluded or neglected from EB-5? Well, partially it's true, not with regard to EB-5, but generally with citizenship through investment programs. Lots of countries, they limit participations of Russian citizens in those programs. The entire Caribbean region is out the reach. Uh, lots of programs in Europe that usually were f- uh, favored by Russians, they are not attainable anymore. They cannot get it. They cannot go to Portugal or Cyprus or many other countries. Really? It's not wow. because they cannot pass due diligence. It's just because those countries have certain politics going on and they do not want Russian people there. Wow. But the thing is, first of all, EB-5 never excluded anyone based on nationality. I mean, there might be some difficulties if you're bringing people from Iran, for example, but they expressly do not exclude people based on nationality. And the other thing is those people who apply and who technically have money originated from Russia, they are not necessarily Russian citizens. They might have like citizenship of other countries, uh, including former Soviet Union. They might have 
multiple citizenships. And even if they have like only Russian citizenship, it's not necessarily that money are coming from Russia. The money can be like anywhere in the world. And most certainly they will be not in Russia because Russian people do not trust Russian banking system. Amazing. So this is incredible. This is actually a bigger opportunity for EB-5 than I thought. If Russians are being excluded from Portugal, other European, Caribbean, etc., and they're looking for a place to emigrate to, the United States and the EB-5 might be one of the few programs that are open to them. It's in, in fact, it's the opposite of exclusion. It seems to be one of the few that's including Russians in EB-5. Exactly. I don't know why regional centers are missing out on marketing there, because basically, like lots of Russians, they're not investigating that opportunity because they think, okay, even Grenada excluded me. I cannot get that Banana Republic Caribbean country citizenship. So why should we talk about America? America most certainly will be closed for me from now and on. Well, no, not necessarily true. I had a client who got denied the U.S. visa four times. They just didn't want to let him go to the U.S. And then he applied for immigrant visa and he got approved. Wow. They don't want you to come and spend your Russian money here, but they want you to come and live here. I mean, it's like <laughs> counterintuitive. But <laughs> That makes no sense. You really are one of the, uh, the biggest advocates that I know for Russian speakers trying to help them join EB-5 and really giving a wake-up call to the industry to tell them, listen, stop neglecting this key demographic of, of Russian speakers. Why is it beyond maybe it's language capabilities, cultural differences? What are some of the main factors that are causing this neglect of the Russian speakers? I was talking to one regional center representative this very morning. That person told me like, okay, why would we go and market to Russian people if it takes them so long to come to the decision? Like, okay, we will go and make a representation and we never hear from them. They can even block you on the phone because they don't want to be bugged. Year and a half later, they reach out and they say, oh, remember we talked about that project like do you still have it available of course project is not available but now you have a person with the money i understand it's not a chinese market when you travel to china for the trade show and you like show your project and you have 200 subscribers no it's kind of custom work and you need to maintain that relationship you need to be on social media you need to respond to their inquiries be friendly not in a selling way and when they're ready they're ready they come to you they will start like looking for you. I have people who consulted with me four or five years ago and now they reach out and like, oh, I was an idiot. Why didn't I invest five years ago? By now I would have my green card. But okay, let's do it now. So just be patient and like the market will be yours. Wow. So you really brought up an important point, I think, first of all, is that you have to be patient. You have to build relationships just like we do in Asia. And beyond that, you need to have a social media presence. So tell me about beyond the bling of the project. Tell me about why is social media so important to building that connection and that relationship with the Russian speakers? Well, uh, for Russian people, if you are not on Instagram, you do not exist. Like there is absolutely no credit to you, like no credibility to your project if you are not talking about it. And I guess it's like going back to that thing, like bling thing. So if you have nothing to show, nothing to visualize with, you have nothing to sell. It's very important that everybody who shows projects to Russian person, like have an Instagram account and that person can go there and see here's a project and here's where it is located. And it looks fancy and nice. And there is a Ferrari parked in front of it. 
Like, yeah, show it. I mean, we all understand that you can rent a Ferrari for 200 bucks an hour and just park it there. But at least you went into trouble of renting it. It just shows your effort. Wow. I totally endorse social media presence. Beyond endorsing, I think you, you take advantage of it. You really are, like, as I said, you're an online celebrity. So tell me, where do you, where are you seeing the greatest return on investment in, in social media? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it YouTube? Where do you think you're making the, the best relationships online? YouTube and Instagram. I was blogging for 16 years until the war started. Like uh, when Russian war started, I abandoned all my Russian speaking platforms. I do not blog like I do not write blogs anymore, but I religiously go on Instagram every day and I present news about immigration, interpretations of new laws, like fun facts, everything that might interest people. I never, and like, I'm very proud of that. I never posted my uh, my phone number and I never said, if you like my content, please subscribe. I don't care if they subscribe or not. I'm not a blogger. I'm a lawyer and they know it. And I guess lots of people appreciate that I do not sell anything. First of all, tell us, what are your Instagram, YouTube, and, and other media handles? Well, Where can we find you? Look, that, just don't go look me up because, you know, it's a, it's a selective group of Russian-speaking individuals. You go there and you look at it and like, I have staff who doesn't speak Russian in my office and they've subscribed and they look at it and like, okay, are you yelling at those people? Are you <laughs> arguing with them? Because Russian, Russian language, it sounds weird. So if you do not speak Russian and you go check out my social media, you probably get the wrong impression from it. Okay. Um, okay. Yes, I, I am there. I doubt it. I doubt it. I'm sure you're, you're, you're a big star. Let's use this opportunity. I hope that some Russian speakers would be listening. Will you give us a little bit? Don't yell, but will you give us in Russian a little bit of an explanation about why should somebody in Russia or one of these CIS countries choose EB5? Let's go with English because everybody needs to know it. Like EB5 okay. is a great project. It's a great project for those who can wait on both sides. Let's say if you're marketing from your regional center side, then you need to be patient until that client comes to you and is ready to invest. If you are an investor, it's not a quick fix. And this is the first thing we need to explain about EB-5 market just to manage those expectations. I know it's like an embarrassment to American immigration system that people have to wait for four or five years now. But if you explain to people, you go and you live your own life, you just plan some strategies. And four years from now, it's like 95% certainty that you get your green card unless something happens. Like who knows what might happen, but it's very predictable path. So just like be patient and live your life. And I, I always tell people think global, like think global, do not think like with those short term goals, like plan for four or five years and you will be fine. This is what we need to tell Russian clients. And I guess like some other markets would also benefit from that information. Mm -hmm. So patience is really a, a key trait in, in EB-5 for sure. Again, it's not a quick fix, but it's a stable, predictable fix. And as you said, 95 plus percent success rate, I think, is what we can expect from when you're using one of the best lawyers. And of course, there's no 100% success because that's the EB-5 program. Yeah. Everything has to be at risk and there's no guarantees. But it's important to know that if you make your plan and you invest accordingly and you are patient, then you will most likely see a positive result for sure. Why is it then that people are sort of struggling with this patience? Why do they get frustrated along the way? Okay. In Russia, things can change dramatically in a matter of hours, not even days. And people are very concerned about letting the money go. Like lots of people, when they start conversation about EB-5, they first ask about EB-5 direct. Like, okay, I want to be in control of my own money. 
And I tried to explain to them, okay, you will be in control of your own money, but you also will have to be in control of your places of employment, all this compliance, all these things. Do you want the entire package? No, I don't want the entire package. Nobody wants that package. Then the next question is, that administrative fee that regional center charges, what is it for? Like, I don't understand why should I pay somebody to manage my money? Okay, this is rule of the game. You need to go through that and then you will get something. But basically, after you pass that thing that you do not need to be in control of your own money and you do not need to, um, let's say, tell people what you want to spend your money on because i mean the money is gone that's it you don't touch it for five four, uh, years they're comfortable with it mm -hmm. it's just like you need to be prepared for all this questioning and like okay why would i invest in regional center if i do not get 12 percent return interest okay it's not about that you're getting something more valuable right a green card for you and your family is incredible so I, I agree with you completely that you get these kind of questions where it, it's true about anybody if you're asking them to invest money on the other side of the world they're not going to be able to control it or see it for five years it seems like a risky endeavor and i think that's why having people like you who can communicate and also are an objective third-party lawyer who can really just you're not here to sell anything just really help them through the process i think it's very 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 helpful for them i i've also heard that people say listen if I'm investing today, I want to see my return today. Does that mean I get to come into America today? That's great. I'll, I'll invest my money today. And they say, no, no, no. It may be a few years before you get your conditional approval to even be able to step into the United States. So do you also have that question come up for you? Yes. However, concurrent filing, it's a big thing right now. I mean, do we need to talk about it? It's revolutionary. Like people love concurrent filing because I tell people, I do not guarantee that you will be able to do that, but there is a mechanism that allows you to wait for approval of your green card inside of the country. You can get your social security, work permit, travel document. Your kids can go to school. You establish your life here. You wait for approval. It makes transition easier. Of course, there is a downside of it because people oftentimes they do not realize if you do that, once you file become a resident, you also become a tax resident of the United States. So if you decide to do such things, then you need to be prepared. You need to consolidate your efforts, do tax planning outside of the US before you do that. But many people, they try uh, and... I would, I see like lots of success with that. I had lots of Russian petitions filed before the lapse of EB5 and they kind of got stuck in limbo. People come here, they file for adjustment of status and they get simultaneously approved uh, 526s and adjustment of status. So it's even speeding up the process. So tell me, help, help me through this. Help uh, one of our listeners to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Can I come in on a tourist or a business visa and then apply for EB5? And adjust status and already be here as uh, and have everything working for me? Or is that somehow bending the rules? The rule is you cannot come here having a plan to adjust your status. If your immigrant intent somehow developed after you crossed the border, you can file it. So lots of people, they come to Miami several times a year. And on one of their trips, they met with immigration lawyer and they talked about it. Or something bad happened outside of the United States. And like, okay, I have no reason to go back right now. I need to reconsider my strategy. And if that person is already inside of the United States, there is no preconceived uh, intent to remain. Yes, we can file for adjustment. And I usually pre-screen carefully. Like I had a person who was on a one-month trip here and he received a message that his girlfriend is dumping him and she like, 
put his stuff in a storage outside of the country. And like, okay, I have no place to go back. Why don't we file adjustment of status for me? And he filed and already has like work permit. So he's waiting here. Wow. And it's not something that would raise flags with USCIS. We have all these people, all of a sudden, everybody who's doing EB-5 happened to be in the country on tourist or business visas. And they're now adjusting status for EB-5. This is like a... Other story I usually tell my clients when they ask, can I get my student visa and come and study in the United States while I'm waiting for something? And I'm telling them, somehow after February of 2022, when like all these dramatic events happened in Russia, lots of very accomplished, uh, mature aged Russian people suddenly felt the urge to study English in some Papa Joe English school in the United States. Don't you find it suspicious a little bit? And USCIS knows why you're applying for that student visa. So most likely you will be denied. It's a different situation if the person already had his tourist visa. He established the history of traveling back and forth. People change their plan based on circumstances. There is nothing wrong with it. If they're here and all of a sudden there is like an extreme draft in Russia and that person has a kid who is a draft age. Okay, we need to reconsider our plan. Now we're applying for adjustment of status. It's absolutely natural, and I don't think UCIS will frown upon it. Fantastic. So this really is the big revolution in EB-5. It cost $300,000 more than before. It went from 500 to 800. But really the huge benefit that you're saying to potential EB-5 investors is they can really enjoy, potentially enjoy the status of uh, having a conditional green card in a very, very short order. Natalia, on a more serious note, this is a question that Sam Udani recently brought to my attention. Sam says he's finding that the press or the public believes that the money coming in from immigrants to EB-5 is not clean. They don't want to touch the EB-5. And some are even ashamed to say that they work in EB-5. Is this really the case that illicit funds are somehow finding their way into the U.S. economy through EB-5? Or is it the exact opposite? The data shows that it's exactly the opposite because IPO recently released their fraud statistics. To make it clear, there are 86 people on APO program that work specifically to prevent the fraud. Like it's a fraud prevention unit, fraud detection unit. And they released a statistic saying that only in 3% of all cases they pre-screen, they find any indication of fraud or money laundering. Only 3%, it's like negligible compared to the volume of petitions. And out of those 3%, only 1% has confirmed instances of fraud. As I always tell my clients, the due diligence, level of due diligence USCIS does on you, it's like unprecedented. No other country in the world checks on the source of funds as diligently as USCIS does. I received um, a request for additional evidence that were 34 pages long. And it's usually like pertains to Russian investors who work with Again, not to say bad words about my colleagues, but they work with lawyers who are not familiar with Russian-speaking markets. They do not know what to look for, where to do background checks, how to document source of funds, because even taxation in Russia is different. You cannot apply principles like universal principles of taxation to Russian tax declarations. And then USS doesn't understand what was submitted. They issue that terrible request for evidence. But if you're prepared, you can... Explain everything, pretty much everything. And as I always tell my clients, even if you cannot close certain gaps in your trace of funds, it doesn't mean that your money is dirty money. It's just like you didn't keep that trace, but we need to work creatively and we will find the ways to prove that your money are of clean origin. I never had anyone where I would like actually honestly question the source of funds. 
I completely agree. I think that's really, really a very, very important point to say, which is the money coming into the EB-5 industry is clean money. It's been vetted more than any other money that's coming into the States. And if there's any other issues that are going on, it's something that the, there needs to be greater oversight. And I think now there is with the RIA greater oversight of the, of the U.S. side. So I think that's really, really great. Speaking of gambling, I want to ask the next question, which is about cryptocurrency. Is it possible for somebody with 800,000 of, of Bitcoin to invest it into EB-5? It's a complex question and probably requires a separate podcast or something. And I published several articles on it. We all know what's going on with Coinbase right now and all these persecutions and like unfortunate things that surround cryptocurrency at this moment. But generally, uh, when I bring the source of funds to the attention of American government, I try to make it as conventional as possible. Because when they wrote all the statutes and regulations, they didn't know about remote working, cryptocurrency, all these kinds that we deal with right now. So we need to make it conventional. And I explain to people, okay, if in your country, cryptocurrency trade is illegal or it's outside of legal framework, maybe it's not regulated at all, most likely American government will look at it like as an illicit source of funds because it's not legal in your country and funds must be procured through lawful means. However, if in your country it's regulated and we know how to document it, it's like any other commodity. We document where you purchased it or how you acquired it. We document the point when you sold it. We document that you paid your taxes on capital gain on cryptocurrency exchange. Then it's like perfectly legitimate source of funds. And I had few of those approved with like um, involvement of cryptocurrency exchanges. Though really? I know many of my colleagues, they say that like, okay, don't touch it. USS will never understand how it works. They will never approve it. They approve it. If wow. you explain how exactly it happened. That's incredible. So you actually have cases approved with cryptocurrency as, okay. as one of the sources of funds. Just a disclaimer, not 100% of funding based on cryptocurrency, though I have those pending with USCIS as well. I will report back to you how it goes. I have those. But when cryptocurrency exchange is involved, yes, I had those approved. Wow, you're really very brave. And it seems like you're one of the the pioneers in this industry, Natalia. So I'm very yeah. impressed with that too. I still remember those traumatizing time when like no lawyers would like to touch my case. So if somebody <laughs> comes to me and say like, okay, other lawyers told me not to invest because I have cryptocurrency. Okay, come over. We'll talk about it. Fantastic. Listen, it sounds like you are doing incredible things online and offline, and there's nobody better than you, I think, to communicate the benefits of EB-5 in English or Russian, and also to tell them the merits of how it can be done. It seems to be your strategy is never to market oneself, just give value to the the community and people will come and find you. I think everybody's going to want to come find you, Natalia. Since the time I met you, I've been so impressed with how outspoken you are towards how important this Russian-speaking market is, and I really applaud all of your efforts. I know that it's really superheroes like you who make the industry thrive. And I look forward to hearing so many more exciting developments as we watch you continue your flight to increase success. Thank you. And thank you for making this industry better by bringing best people to your podcast. (laughs) Only the best. Only EB-5 superheroes make it here. So thank you, EB-5 superhero Natalia Polukhin. It's great to see you and I I wish you great success. Thank you. That's a wrap. Natalia Polukhin and other EB-5 superheroes like her are the industry's best and brightest who are flying onward and upward to bring out the best in EB-5. Join me on the next episode to meet the next EB-5 superhero. Thank you for listening to the EB-5 superhero podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast.
podcast with the good guys and good gals who believe in EB5 and the American dream. To access today's show notes, ask Matt a question, or suggest an EB5 superhero to be featured on the show, visit eb5superheroes.com. 